When it's good, it's not just good, it's great. Everything in that job is going well and everything goes to plan. It's like you're a god at your job and nothing can go wrong. And then it does. It goes as wrong as it could ever go. And your life's basically ruined. So you think, that's it, I've had enough of this. I'm going to quit being an electrician. I'm going to go work on a chicken farm and just get paid a wage for just turning up and collecting chicken eggs. I want the simple life. That's that's what I'm going to do. I've had enough of all this crap. There's many scenarios that can trigger these type of thoughts and feelings that when you're working as an electrician and think, yeah, things do go to plan, but you think, scrap this, I'm just going to jack it in and go work somewhere else. And these thoughts and feelings, exactly what I'm going to go into today. Toolbox Talks for Electricians, loading electricians with the tools and skills they need to reduce stress, gain back time and earn more money. Hello everyone, Ben Poulter, your host, back here once again, and I hope you're doing very, very well. As I know, this goes out on a Monday, and it's the beginning of the week, and you should be fired up to have a great start to that week. Whatever happened last week, that's in the past. It's the future, what we look forward to. But what happened in the past? What happened last week? What was it that got us looking on the internet over the weekend to see how much you can make as a lorry driver. It happens to all of us, and I'm here today to tell you that it's happened to me as well. And one of those reasons is over the past about five or so years, don't you think that materials have gone downhill? The lights and the lamps in people's houses from the 60s, they don't even trip the RCD. They're quite, they're well, they're well made from the past. I've rewired a few properties with the old Bakelite switches and the old Bakelite ceiling roses. And they've been there for sort of 20 years and they're still working fine even when you come to rewire the house. And these days, everything's sort of LED with the down lights being LED, the plinth lighting with them LED tape, the under cupboard lighting, that's even got the LED tape and everything outdoor. It's all LED, low voltage, energy saving. And I must agree, they do, they look a lot better, don't they? They look more modern and nice and they give out a, an even light. And on the plus side, they do not burn as much energy. Like there's an equivalent 7 watt lamp, LED lamp that will do and a 100 watt lamp what it used to. So obviously it's a lot cheaper. But do they stand the test of time? <laughs> Hell no. As an electrician, you go out you're in your price of job and it's to wire, install, fit and test. There's no point in factoring in that there's faulty materials because you go out and you get the best ones that you've been using for the wholesalers because they give you a good warranty. Like MK consumer units, they used to be my go-to board. The MK brand itself, I think you'll know, it's got quite a good reputation and is known as a good product. And I've fitted around 20 boards in around nine months of MK when they, I think they had a deal on at the time. So the wholesalers, they were, they were pushing, saying, hey, we've got a deal on these boards, fully loaded. It's that long ago, there were split load boards. So there were split load boards and we've got a deal on them. Would you like to sort of purchase 10 of these boards? So I said, yeah, definitely. And that was all going fantastic. I installed these boards, I was flying along. Yeah, until I got a letter one day. And there was a batch of faulty incomers. The 100 amp isolate switches in these boards, there was a list of them with a certain product code that was faulty and you had to replace them because they were a fire hazard. MK, obviously, they would cover the cost of the new uh, 100 amp incomer, 
but you had to go and fit them and I'd fitted these boards all over the country so who the hell writes down the product numbers of anything they put in you don't go through each MCB or isolate or even the board to be honest you put it up and you tell them exactly what they had and that's all that sort of goes on the invoice. The only ones that I did used to write down the product numbers for was them old JCC downlights where they were offering the seven-year warranty. And to get the seven-year warranty, you had to register them and you had to fill in like online, I think it was, where you give them the product codes to say, yep, this seven-year warranty has been activated from this date. But with these MK boards, I had to figure out how many fuse bod I'd installed and where I'd installed them and go and check them product numbers. numbers. That's a friggin' massive nightmare. And that's obviously one of them things that make me think, ah, oh, screw this for a living, there must be something easier. But that's just one reason that sometimes you think, ah, I'm gonna quit being an electrician. Because how many cowboy electricians are out there that are qualified to maybe 16th edition? And they were qualified back in the 80s and still haven't done the upgrade to the 18th edition. I know a fair few who work for a company that they don't want to upgrade to the 18th edition. They're not interested. They're older guys. They're waiting for retirement. And the whole reason they don't go out on their own and build their own business is because they don't want to go and do the upgrade. They see it as um, maybe a challenge or fear, but maybe think they're going to fail. Now, I qualified with the 17th edition wiring regulations of the BS7671. It was a red book, if I remember right. And the first edition was out of this BS, BS 7671 book. It was out in 19, no, it weren't 19, it was 1882. And now we're on currently the 18th edition. And having to do these upgrades to be able to say you're a fully qualified, fully qualified electrician to the highest level, yeah, it's a bit of a ball like sometimes with these upgrades. And I'll be the one to say it, I will admit, I hardly ever pick up that book. I spent £80 on that book. And if I've got a question, normally I'll Google it. I, I rarely go to find it in that book. But without fail, I need to buy the latest edition every year. Because if you don't, if you don't have it, you don't pass the Part P assessment. These are one of the regulations that you've got to have. You've got to have a copy of the book. I've got all the old books that obviously cost me £80 a piece. I've got the, the red one, the yellow one, the blue one, and now the brown one that I've had to spend money on every year. And if you've ever been through this Part P, um, yeah, the Part P assessment, you don't just have the IEE regs. You've also got to have the on-site guide. But to be fair, I do dip into that on-site guide every now and again. I find that book quite handy sometimes when you're doing a, a different installation. You just want to check a few of the readings that you should get on maybe a TT system or a PME system. But along with buying a new, new books even, not just a book, buying the books every other year, you've got to do an assessment. And one of the questions from the 18th edition assessment, I'll read you it and see if you can guess. BS 7671 states that installation design must take into account 1. The comparison of renewable energy sources 2. Anticipated electromagnetic emissions 3. Current copper prices or 4. The effect of climate change I do honestly think, what the hell's that got to do with any wiring regulations in a domestic house or even in an industrial or commercial premises? In the UK, oh, it's a bit of a crazy question. 
I don't know. I'll suppose I'll pick the copper prices because that's the one that mainly affects me. If um, if the copper prices are low, then I'll probably just pile the copper up and keep it for another time. I, I don't know. I failed my 18th edition twice, and this is for this exact reason. It was my third time lucky, however, that I passed. So that's another reason that makes you think, well, I'm just going to jack in being an electrician, having to do these upgrades all the time, getting asked these stupid questions that are not actually questions that you're going to have to think about in life when you're going to rewire maybe a property. You don't think, hmm, in 10 years' time, if there's a climate change, how will this affect the cable which I'm going to install today? You don't think that. It's not something that goes through my head anyway. Now, this next one, I think a lot of electricians will be able to relate to because it wouldn't be a real rant about wanting to quit being an electrician if I didn't mention customers. 99.9% of customers are fantastic and they're brilliant. You explain the job and how much it's going to cost them and you get paid. It's that simple. It should be that simple all the time. But now and again, you get that 0.01% that can really wind you up. There was a job in a garage I did once and they wanted to upgrade the light into their workshop. Basically, that lighting had been in there for a long time and they kept replacing, I think there were 10-foot fluorescent lamps, which you probably can't even get anymore. So I recommended changing them to LED, which would obviously save them money on energy as well. So I got some sample lights of uh, different sorts of budgets, what they could install, and I put them up in certain areas of the garage. And I tested the lux levels to tell them that it approved to them that basically this is a brighter light and a better light for you to work in and it's a lot more efficient. I even provided them with a, a printout reading of how much any the energy they'd be saving in their garage if they were to install the whole garage with these any LED lights. And working with LED lights, I know there's different daylight, there's cool white and there's warm white and all different sorts of lights. So I left these lights up in there for a couple of weeks just because I know that some people don't really sort of understand the different light that an LED will bring across, especially in a workshop where it's pitch black when they had the door shut. So I wasn't sure they'd like it. So I let them have a trial of these new fittings in certain areas so they could choose which one they wanted to go for, if at all. And then I went back after a couple of weeks and said, how did you get on? What do you think of these lights? So they chose a specific LED light and said, right, fantastic. We want to go ahead and replace the whole garage with that light insert. We want the whole garage to be filled with that specific light from that LED, which I thought, fantastic. So I made a plan. And to go in at the weekend as well, because it was a, a busy garage and I wanted to at least the minimum amount of cars in that garage. So if I, and if it did happen, I dropped a light fitting on a car, I didn't want to have to claim the insurance or anything. So I could get my area, my working area safe, my safe working environment. See, I was, uh, I was thoughtful like that. And these fittings, they weren't sort of low down. You can't access them off a ladder or any steps. So I had to go get myself a lifter. So I got that lifter delivered. And I installed these new lights, new LED lights all over the garage. It only took me a day to install, I think there was around 30 to 40 lights. And after completing that install and sending them the invoice, a week later, yeah, I had a call from the garage. It was conveniently probably about the day that I sent them the invoice. Uh, these lights are not bright enough. So I went in there and I proved to him saying, look, these Lux, level, Lux levels, it's twice as it bright as bright as it used to be. Like this is proof by an actual Lux level reading. There was nothing wrong with them light fittings. I just didn't want to pay the bill. 
and these sort of customers that obviously I decided to never work for them customers again. I don't even speak to them anymore. But I worked it out with them where they paid for the materials to the wholesalers. And obviously I cut my losses and I didn't want to get involved with them because they, they, they weren't going to pay. They didn't want to pay to start with. I never issued the certificate for the work I did because I never got paid for the install. And the funny thing is, I've driven past that place. It's sort of five years ago that was. And them lights are still up, working perfectly. <laughs> they never did change them. And it's customers like that where you go above and beyond, out the way to guarantee that you do a good job for them. But those type of customers, they make you want to stop being an electrician. They make you want to stop running your own business and just go out and be an idiot and rip people off and take the mick out of people just like they did to me. But you get over it. I say you get over it. I'm still ranting about it now, aren't I? Five years later. And it is funny how you always remember the person that ripped you off. You remember it like it was yesterday because it annoyed you and it got you, got you a bit angry maybe, a bit of annoyed. But you sort of forget the kitchen company that you work for that gave me all new plates, cups and cutlery, knives and forks. They seem to get forgotten because they're the nice things. But as electricians working for customers, we meet them different to customers all the time, every day. And there's always one that puts you in a bit of a mood. But so many of the others become friends. And you even get invited to their family do's and parties because you are their electrician. So I suppose in hindsight, don't let one customer put you off being an electrician or wanting to quit the trade. Because around the corner, there'll be 10 more customers that you'll get along with fantastically. But that's not the only thing that we're up against. And to be honest, I do go on about it all the time, electricians being heroes of the building trade. But let's be honest, without plumbers, builders and carpenters, a house wouldn't get built after all. And there are plenty of other tradesmen out there that are brilliant at their job and they become friends and you end up having a great working relationship with them. And then there's the other ones, the cowboys, that you mistakenly get involved with and do a job with someday. The cowboys who completely mess the job up. They take the money from the customer and it puts you in an awkward position when it comes to completing the job because the builder or the other tradesman who's ran off with the money and there's no money left in the job to pay you. There was an extension that I first fixed for a builder. I did a, a beautiful job. As you do, you go in there, you make things nice and neat so it makes the second fix nice and easy and obviously it makes it nice and neat for them to carry on with their job. It was on a loft conversion. So I was in and out in a day, did my first fix in a day. I was booked in a time to do the second fix and return to site on that day, nice and bright and early. I like to be punctual. Only to find that the builder left the job a long time ago and he'd left it unfinished. Even where the customer had paid the full amount of what the builder asked for. But that builder just hop, skipped and jumped and went on to the next job to do the same thing to another person, maybe. He didn't tell me, so I'm turning up like an idiot, expecting to complete the job. And this is what winds me up with these cowboy builders. The customer had paid for it to be completed. So this means that the money allocated for electrics is also gone. And the builder never thought to tell anyone, any other trade. He just took the money and went. And this puts you in a very awkward position. Obviously, we're the customer. But after a cup of tea sort of thing, we came to an agreement and we got the electrics done and completed for that job. 
I can confidently say that over the 20 years of working in the electrical trade, these things, they don't happen all the time. It's just when they do, they make you question it. Is it all worth the hassle? And of course, there are regulations bought out like Part P for the electrical, tr- electrical trade. But it's still the common thing that when a customer is quoted £50 for a job that ideally by an electrician could cost around £150, the customer don't see that. They just see the same guy turning up, like calling himself electrician, and is saving them £100. And as anybody would, they like to save money. And saving £100 on a job is probably a lot. But unfortunately, it's not until it's too late that it costs them double to put it all right. Now, with these few scenarios that make you want to quit your job and not want to be an electrician and do something else, it's not all doom and gloom. I'm going to end the podcast with this one that makes it all worthwhile. This one that sticks out to me is when I went to a property where someone had fitted a cooker for her. They'd fitted the cooker from the outlet plate in the wall to the cooker in a 1.5 twin and earth cable. It was an electric oven that should have been wired in 6mm cable at least from a 32, 32 amp. So if that oven was used 100% that cable would have melted and caused a fire. And it was a flat with a single mum and a newborn baby. So in my mind I potentially saved someone's life that day. And that's why I do it. That's why I'll be an electrician. That's why I go around people's properties and say this is bad, this is bad, this could cause a fire. I like to help people by not causing a fire. I like things tripping. They trip for a reason because you maybe got water in the light or there's a fault. I'd rather something go off than catch fire. And they are the sort of jobs where I walk away from with a smile on my face. And talking of smiles, you could put a smile on my face too by leaving a review on the podcast. Whatever platform you're listening on, take 20 seconds to leave a quick review and I'll be smiling from ear to ear for the rest of the day. So until next time, I'll see you again.